Welcome to the Fintech Australia podcast, brought to you in partnership with Tier One People, Australia's leading fintech executive search consultants. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins. The Finneys, run by our partners Fintech Australia, are kicking off again in 2020. Showcasing the best that fintech has to offer and sponsored by the Victorian government, Vocus and BPay, the Finneys are a chance to celebrate the remarkable people, innovations and resilience the fintech industry is known for and built upon. Register now for your chance to be recognized as a leader of fintech. Go to finneys.org.au. I'm joined by Sue Steele from the Sumaha Collective. Sue is a specialist in helping fintech scale, specifically around people, culture, and talent. And we're going to have a chat today around how founders scale their business. Sue, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dexter. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you here. Um, now, could you, for the, the benefit of our listeners, maybe give them a little bit of a, a, a kind of background to yourself and what you've done and, and what you're doing now? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've been lucky in my career. I've actually had two different careers. I spent 14 years working on trading floors, eight on the Sydney Futures Exchange and six in Singapore on CIMEX, the Singapore International Monetary Exchange. And then about 20 years, um, 20 years ago, I jumped the fence and got involved in HR. Now, I've run my own companies. I've worked with others. And for the past six years, I've been involved with fintech and tech startup and scale-up companies. Six years ago, I started with, uh, well, I joined Society One, and my role was to develop an HR function and development while supporting the CEO and aligning the business strategies around people, values, leadership, engagement, and culture. We grew the business from 30 to just over 100 in both Australia and New Zealand, and when I joined, we had 20 million in funded loans and we grew that to reach just over 200 million. We raised 25 million in capital and we were named the 37th top financial technology company in the world. Um, roughly, what was it, about three and a half years ago, I left Society One and joined Nearmap and again repeated what I'd done at Society One. We had 40 staff and we grew that to just over 300 all while reducing external recruiters by 55%. When I joined in 2016, we had an ACV, an annual contract value, around $7.8 million a year. And in three and a half years, we grew that to just over $100 million. My role really involved uh, everything to do with HR, so HRIS, all recruitment and TA, succession and change management, onboarding, learning and development, intern and STEM programs. Um, I was responsible for exponential hiring, employer brand strategy, core values and employee value proposition, just to name a few. Um, I was a trusted advisor for complex, sensitive and high-level strategic issues and worked very closely with the CEO and other members of the executive team. Recently, I've gone back to working for myself um, at Sumaha Collective and I really I'm passionate about helping um, fintech and tech and startup companies look at their HR capability. What do they need and how can they actually get everything in the one place and running smoothly for yeah. them? So I guess the key reason that I invited on you onto the show is that you and I, in, in many respects, are kindred spirits. 
you know, we've, I've, I've seen the journey that you've gone on and the journey that you've taken businesses on, you know, multiple times over. And I think when you and I connected and we spoke, we could see that there were these, you know, these patterns that kept emerging that, you know, were, were almost unavoidable, you know, almost it's, it's as natural as the kind of uh, path that a, a caterpillar takes to a butterfly. And you can't avoid that sticky mess in the middle, but you can spend less time there. So what, what I was really kind of keen to do with you in the show today, Sue, is maybe is to share, you know, some of your expertise and, and some of our experiences uh, to, to give founders like a sense as to the challenges that they're going to face or they, they're facing right now to put some context around them and also maybe some ideas as to what they can do to actually ensure that the time they spend in the messy middle is the shortest amount uh, kind of as possible. Um, I'm a big believer of, of bringing somebody with an HR background into an, an organization as, as soon as you possibly can. Um, if your business is at that 25 and 30 um, people, you need to do it immediately. Any later and that person spends the first six months playing catch up and correcting the mistakes and there will be, yeah. there will be mistakes. Um, yeah. That's even before you can get to BAU or strategy work. You, you call it the sticky area, Dexter. I call it quicksand because as soon as yeah. you step into it, you've got to get yourself out of it or the company is yeah. going to sink. So, yeah. I mean, it's imperative that you get the people strategy correct from the start. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I, I, sorry to interrupt, but I think we need to make a distinction here as well. You know, we're talking about an HR people and culture professional, not an office manager running employment hero, you know, issuing contracts. This is a strategic hire, right? That we're, Absolutely, we're Dexter. Yes. Um, and I mean, a, a company that truly values its people and culture will bring in an expert as soon as they possibly can. Now, there's, there's a lot of startups out there that have tried to do HR without an HR expert, and unfortunately, they have failed. They've, you know, you, yeah. they've spent a lot of time and money refocusing and then having to play catch-up once they do bring somebody in. So I, I think what I'm trying to say here is that unstructured HR and recruiting processes can do more harm than good. Um, and let me just give you a couple of examples there, Dexter. I mean, you can hire badly. It can, it can foster a toxic work environment. It can create a, a lot of confusion and negatively impact um, other employees, the morale and the retention rate. And unfortunately, with social media these days, now it's fantastic when, when it's all, you know, roses and everything smelling lovely, but, but you've also got those negative comments that can come out about your business. And the last thing you need yeah. is, you know, to have anything negative about a startup and it becomes very, very hard to attract the right candidates. Candidates. Now, I, I want to talk a little about the cost benefits here as well, because you know I think that one of the, the reasons why we see HR being left you know, as the very last hire is because it's viewed as a cost center. And one of the things that I'm really challenging our clients to think about is you know re reimagine it. You know, if I was to put a salesperson in front of a client that generated a billion dollars in revenue, they would snap my hand off and hire that person. If I was to put the HR professional who actually hired the tech team who built the $2 billion app, they wouldn't be interested in meeting that person. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of, we're trying to get, you know, some sense around the economy, you know, the economies of scale here. 
And that if you get the right people into the business, what it actually means. Um, what do you? What have you seen? You know, from your experience, particularly with founders, as to their attitude to you know people and culture and the role that it plays in the business. HR is often considered, uh, as you just said, an unnecessary expense. And startups often think that they're too small to worry about HR. They're too small to worry about the people strategy and the compliance. Um, when you look at a business, you really look to fill the roles to build and develop your product, market, sell your product, and the accounting side for the product. So your focus is very much outwards. Um, so other roles that you fill first, product and technology, sales and marketing and finance. Now, everyone thinks that they're an expert when it comes to HR and that the role of HR is all about screening, interviewing, and recruiting candidates. It's all about talent acquisition. Um, It is so much more. The focus of people and culture is an inward focus. So it's a real look at the company. This inward focus is on securing Mm. and strengthening the company's foundation for current and future growth. So HR does this by driving growth and facilitating change for the company through the focus on its people. So I, I can sit here all day and, and, and harp on about developing a strong culture, um, a strong employee brand strategy, the value proposition, what goes where when it comes to levels of engagement. Um, but it's all about how you treat your people. If you develop a company communication style that allows um, staff to feel empowered, engaged, valued, heard, and appreciated, you're creating a great structure. So you're setting that strategic direction for the organization. You're including the company metrics that you're creating that um, accountability through targets such as KPIs and clear management, um, clear measurements. Um, You're supporting the CEO in all things people and you're aligning the business and the growth strategy around people, around the values, leadership, engagement and culture. So don't even get me started on payroll or employee retentions or policies and procedures or, you know, salary benchmarking and benefit analysis, L&D, supporting health and well-being. There's so much more that HR and people and culture can offer but first of all, it's really about aligning and making sure you've got that strong culture. Yeah. I think one of the, the, the kind of challenges that, you know, we face in our business, and I think you, you know, I'm sure you probably face in, in yours as well, Sue, is the mm. perception, right, that we're just process people, you know, particularly with recruitment. Um, you know, I've, I've just been working on a, a, an offer, and we're now in day three of the offer process, right? And I've invested so far 12 hours of my time just in kind of trying to, people don't understand the complexity that there is, one, around hiring, but two, around people and performance. Um, How, what do you think that, you know, we can do as an industry um, to to kind of really uh, elevate the importance and the benefit and the impact that, you know, HR talent has on a a business, particularly a, a scaling business? You know, I, I think what you're asking me there is, is, is the importance of people in an organisation. Um, and to me, people are the most important, important asset of an organisation. And organisations need to nurture and create that environment which enables their staff to grow and be successful. 
Now, if you've got successful and empowered employees, they're going to achieve their goals. They're going to solve those problems. Um, they're going to help develop a great culture. You'll have an amazing employee brand strategy and EVP, and you're going to be able to attract a higher caliber of talent and have great retention rates. Now, someone told me this, and I, I wish I could remember who it was, but to me it's such a great saying. And it's all about how to approach top talent. A players will attract A players. Yeah. B players attract C players. Yeah. Where do yeah. you want to play? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I kind of made this distinction actually just the other day that, you know, in order for us to attract the best talent, we have to be working on the best opportunities. And I think it's so true. And yeah. you know, one, one of the frustrations that I have, I think, you know, particularly with the startup community, is they keep talking about this lack of talent. Yet when we look at their um, talent acquisition strategy, if that was their customer acquisition strategy, they wouldn't get any customers. Absolutely. Yeah. So and I think this is kind of what we're trying to, to kind of get across is how do you how do you change that, you know, that focus? Mm-hmm. And it's not something that comes natural to a founder. And it, it shouldn't, right? We've we've interviewed, I think, over 300 founders now um, <laughs> for the podcast and blog and yeah. you know, just generally having coffees. Less than 1% of them have a background in HR and talent. And what's fantastic about them is they've got such great perception to focus outwards. They don't have the perception to focus inwards, and that's where you've got to bring in an expert to be able to do that. Wow, that's a, that's a really great distinction there, Sue, because you know, yeah. I think that's the, the real challenge, whether it's product, whether it's your people, you know, that the founder has to take that step back and just let go and let somebody else who's the expert kind of take take that over for them and i mean everyone's after the same thing at the end of the day they want to grow the business they want to have fun while they do it and they want to take everyone on that amazing journey so if you can surround yourself by with the right people doing the right roles for you your business is going to succeed now you touched on something which is another reason why you and i kind of really connected is that the journey that you've been on you know particularly with Niamap where you've gone from 40 to 300 people is, is essentially the journey that we help our clients on as well. And we've recognized that there are these distinct phases of growth of the business that require different people at a different stage. And not everybody's going to be on that journey for, for its entirety. What's been your kind of experience of, of going on that journey, particularly with Niamap? And, and what are kind of some of the you know, the, the kind of red flags that you've seen and those points of growth where you, you've recognized that, hey, we now need a different approach? Look, it, it's it, the challenges of scaling um, and the different stages of growth is, is very interesting. As you know, Dexter, there's five stages of business growth. You've got your seed and development stage, startup, scale up or growth and establishment, expansion and maturity and it's a real juggling matrix to make sure businesses get the right mix when um, up to 70 percent of startups scale too soon and this can have a huge impact on them hiring the right people to work with you as soon as you possibly can is very very important and the mix and making sure you've got your innovators your maintainers and your accelerators and looking at how you mix those three to get the right caliber for your business at Niamap, um when I started, it was very much doing three roles at once. I love your analogy of the butterfly and the cocoon where I go back to quicksand. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we, 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 had to, we had to get ourselves out of the quicksand. We had to look at BAU and we had to look at strategy. What was the five-year goal? How were we going to measure and make sure we were doing the right thing? We were on the path to success. So it's about making sure you've got that right mix well. You need a strong HR roadmap that allows potential candidates to understand the vision, the mission, the strategy, and the values of the business. So there's a lot of things in that mix that you've got to get right. What would be your kind of top tips to to founders out there who maybe are struggling right now on the people's side or they're they're kind of sensing that they're hitting that point now where, you know, they've, they've exhausted friends and family. It's, yeah. uh, you know, you, you get to that point where it's a serious business. What Have you got any advice or, or tips you could share? Sue? Yeah, absolutely. I would, if you can't afford to bring in an expert on a full-time basis, look at bringing in somebody for a day or two, someone who can understand who's been there, who knows the pain points you're going to go through and can alleviate those as quickly and as cheaply as possible for the business. So I would, I would be looking to bring in somebody on a couple of days a week that can really, really drive that your people strategy and make sure you're all aligned. Um, that would be my first tip. Second tip, look to try to fill as many roles as you can internally. Now, Dexter, I know you probably don't want me to say that, Oh no! This is this is exactly what we say to our clients. I mean, our whole approach is: you know, Do you actually need to hire? Is the first question that we ask. Okay. So um, I'm all for it. I'd ro- much rather do that than spend six weeks, you know, wasted on a search that um, you know we're not going to deliver on because the client already has the answer. Yeah, I mean, my my top tip is don't go throwing money away on headhunters when you can develop an in-house team, and that has yeah. the company's best interest at heart. And you can develop your EVP. How do you attract and retain the best talent? And you're starting to work on that internal culture. Now, I'm all for using recruiters for those specialized and hard-to-fill roles. But again, make sure you use a specialist recruiter, the ones that understand your market and that you know have your company's best interest at hand. What What are your thoughts on the kind of working arrangement? You know, we, we don't actually work with any business that asks, asks us to work competitively. Um, because we just don't believe in that it actually gets the right result for our client. What would you say around those relationships with recruiters? What's the, the kind of best way to get a, a, a relationship that works and gets results? For a founder, I would be looking for where's the value add? What am I getting yeah. from this relationship that I'm not getting from anyone else? You're the subject matter expert. What can you bring to the table that I don't already have? Now, yeah. There's, I, I could name 40 recruiters off the top of my head, 40 different companies that are out there that, that I know of that I have dealt with in, in some way, shape or form in the last couple of years. But out of those, I could probably name three or four that I actually get value from. Yeah. And they're the ones that I would go to. Now, I don't care what the fees are because I'm getting value. Yeah. Obviously, I don't want them charging me exorbitant fees, but what what I'm trying to say is I don't want a run-of-the-mill recruiter. What's the point? Go back to A players attract A players, B players attract C players. The top talent, you're competing in a very hard market against well-known names. How are you going to stand out being a startup business and try to attract and retain high-performing talent? On that, Sue, I mean, you know, the answer that I hear from founders is they're always complaining about to government 
about visas and overseas talent. Mm-hmm. And I get really yes. frustrated because we've actually got such great talent here in Australia. And if you look particularly from a fintech perspective, you know, if you, you were to go pound for pound, we're punching well above our weight against businesses in the US and in the UK. And yet, you know, we always get, you know, first question, oh, can you get us people from Silicon Valley? What, what's your view on, um, you know, I guess one, you know, the, the kind of using the resources that you've got here in Oz, um, and two, you know, when's the point that you need to start to go overseas and bring in talent that maybe doesn't exist here in the country? I think you've just answered your question, what you said in that last sentence. Right. Um, I would be very much looking at how can we attra- how can we attract top talent here in Australia first? Yeah. Um, what do we need to do to set ourselves aside, aside from everyone else? At Nearmap, Nearmap is not a household name, but we ended up going to universities. We sponsored different sections of the universities to um, to make sure that we were front of mind to the students coming yeah. through. We attended all of their um, all of their opens. And we had a stall next to some very, very big names, but we made sure that we started to develop those relationships. And yeah, that, we that, sounds, a- that sounds strangely like the customer acquisition strategies that a lot of fintech startups would use to bring in customers. You've got to develop your HR roadmap. This is it. Yep. How are you going to align yourself to, to, to be front of mind and foremost ahead for these students when they come out of uni? Number one, we had open days where we brought them all in, showed them what we did, made them understand what our product was, how they could help, how would they be helping. So we we sort of, we made sure that we were constantly doing a lot of things like this. Um, Other ways is you've just, you know, once you make one hire into an area, um, the best, as any type of salesperson would know, the best way to promote your business is word of mouth. Yeah. We want to make sure that our staff had the most incredible onboarding experience so that when they were talking to people at that barbecue on the weekend, the name Nearmap came out. Oh, they did this and this and this for me when I first joined. They made me feel really, really welcome. Any of those things that we could do, we definitely did to build up the culture of mm. the business, to build up that this was a place that you wanted to be at. I mean, a, a recent survey that the Glassdoor did, they did it last year. Um, before applying for a job, nearly 80%, now that's four out of five employees and job seekers considered a company's mission and culture before applying for the role. Now, 65% of 18 to 34-year-olds are likely to place culture above salary. That's the highest of any age demographic wow. that was surveyed. So again, that's just showing you, you've got to build up that culture of your business. Well, Sue, it's been great to have you on the show. If um, people want to find out more about yeah, you know, what you do and, and how they can get in touch, what's the best way to do that? Uh, probably just via LinkedIn or, or yeah, just, just go to my LinkedIn profile and have right. a look. That would probably be the easiest. Great. Well, we'll put a, a link to that in the show notes. Um, and Sue, look, it's been great to have a chat. Thanks for all the advice. Uh, if anybody's listening to this, please, 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 please follow this advice. You know, it will save you a lot of pain. It, I guarantee it. Will. it. Yes, so do I. So do I. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dexter. It's been lovely chatting. 
Well, that's the end of the show, folks. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to our partners, Fintech Australia. Remember to subscribe. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and all of your favorite players. And check out the show notes for additional info on our current opportunities. And if you'd like to sponsor the show or you're looking to hire game-changing fintech talent, check out tier1people.com or contact talent at tier1people.com.